Abandon all prejudices, all ye who enter here. Park your paradigms, perk up your ears, and open your mind as we now shine the laser light of reason on the topic of the Shol siblings and what we should have learned from them. Hello, I'm David Bolton, and welcome to my podcast channel dedicated to helping people think more clearly, make sounder judgments, avoid superficiality, and above all, to unceasingly question instead of naively accepting what others want us to believe, for this is the path of Socrates. My friends, most of you are probably asking yourselves, who are the, the Scholl siblings? If you're from Germany, you will recognize that term, die Geschwister Scholl, Hans and Sophie Scholl. Who were these two young people? Who tragically died, or I should say, were killed at the age of well, in their early twenties? Hans was twenty-three, I believe, and and Sophia was uh, twenty-one, if I remember correctly. Uh, well, I have it here in this. Oh, wait, twenty-one. Da, da, da. Yeah, she was twenty-one, I suppose. Uh, okay. These were two young people who were alive in Nazi Germany, and they decided they were going to fight against the government, nonviolent resistance, just like we have these days. I think you know what I mean. Uh, they weren't violent people, but they thought, what can we do? Well, they distributed flyers and, and working in the underground, so to speak. Now, let me tell you, for those who don't live in Germany, I lived there for 14 years in or around Kassel, Germany. And even back then, every once in a while, you'd see a documentary film about Die Geschwister Scholl, right? The, the Hans and, and Sophia Scholl, the, the Scholl siblings, right? And they would talk about what these two young people did very bravely and how they were distributing, what well, I'm reading it here, uh, they distributed anti-war leaflets at the University of Munich, Sophie and her brother. And... So they were doing what they could to inform people, to tell people, hey, all this Nazi propaganda you're hearing, this isn't really true. And look, this is anything they could find out that, that, that was true, they would say. They didn't have uh, uh, good intelligence sources necessarily find out huge secrets or anything like that. But some things were just obvious that things were not right in Germany at the time. I think you can imagine at least that much. Unfortunately, their actions didn't have didn't make too much of an impression when the Nazis, the Nazis found out who were distributing these leaflets. And well, it says here, Sophia was convicted of high treason after having been found distributing anti-war leaflets at the University of Munich with her brother Hans. For her actions, she was executed by guillotine. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, that, that didn't work out too well for them. Did it now? Uh, how did, yeah. Let's see here, their grave, and they tell where their grave is too. Uh, yes, I suppose Hans was, oh, they were both executed, yeah, by guillotine on the same day. The judge president of the court was Holland Freisler. Don't you know if you know anything about him, the most notorious of the Nazi judges. In other words, these two young people were guilty before the judge heard anything because he was a Nazi judge, and of course he was going to condemn them to death. This guy was a real low life. It's the only way you can put it. Uh, he was smart because he was a judge, obviously. Uh, I don't know whether to say fortunately or unfortunately here, 
as I recall, Roland Freisler was killed towards the end of the war when the city was bombed and he was killed in the rubble, I think, of the court building or whatever. I say it could have been unfortunate, well, unfortunate for him, obviously, but it would have been good if he had been there in the Nuremberg trial and, and had hanged for all his crimes. But he had a more merciful death, just a building falling on top of him. <laughs> uh, did I mean that humorously? I don't know. <laughs> I just put these things out there. You decide. Anyway, the title of this podcast, what we should have learned from them. Well, as I was telling you, when I was living there in, in Germany in the 80s, every once in a while you hear about the, the Scholl siblings and about this good work they were doing. And these were examples of brave young people that even under the total dictatorship of Hitler, they were risking their lives by, by distributing flyers secretly and doing whatever they could so people would start to wake up and they want to have an influence, right? They knew very well if they were caught, if the, if the Gestapo or just the normal police that they would have handed them over the Gestapo, if they were found out, they knew they were dead. Why did they put those documentaries on TV? There's even a film about them, like a, not a Hollywood film it was made in Germany, but it was the equivalent. Uh, about their lives, and these were two heroic young people. Well, you know, if I had thought that back then when I saw such documentaries in Germany in the 1980s, if I'd ever thought that the world be, would end up being a situation as it is in today, I would have thought, well, yes, these two young people aren't just heroes of the past, but they're teaching us an important lesson. And that lesson being that we should not be totally inactive when society is really going down the drain and we're, when we're heading towards totalitarianism. Now, we might see that the Scholl siblings as a success story in one sense, despite their tragic guillotine ending, because they serve as examples for many people, millions of people, and they're considered heroes in Germany. Uh, here I see that East Germany had a stamp, I'm seeing here on Wikipedia, 1961, two million went into circulation, and there they are, the, the, the sole brother and sister. But in West Germany, too, they were honored for their courage, their heroism, for their love of truth. Okay, the other day I talked to a German friend of mine, and he said, yes, sometimes they're, they have demonstrations against this vaccine mandate madness, uh, but a lot of people don't want to go because, well, it's understandable, he said, because they don't want to end up in, in the police files. Because, you know, the police could come and they take your name. Oh, they don't want to end up in the police files. I exploded. <laughs> I exploded. The guy's a really good friend of mine, has been for many decades. But I, I really exploded. Why? Because, as I said, I said, remember, die Geschwister Scholl? The Soviet siblings, and he knows something about his. Oh, yeah, of course. I said, what was their message to German people? As expressed in all those documentary films about him, in the normal movie they made about him, was it the message that when tyranny reigns, you must do something, even if you're risking your life? He said, well, yeah, I guess so. I said, in Germany now, you can go out and demonstrate. They're not going to guillotine you. Not yet. Because let's remember, if we talk about the mistakes of the Scholl siblings, I won't count that as a mistake because they were too young, but it's a shame they weren't older when Hitler hadn't been in power yet, but he, it was going in that direction. 
then if they had acted and other people like them, maybe he wouldn't have gotten into power in the first place. Or maybe if they had acted in his first year of power before he had all the power, maybe enough people would have risen up, maybe it would have reached a tipping point, and maybe he would have uh, been, been taken out of power. But when it had already reached the point of totalitarianism, total totalitarianism, they had no hope really. But nonetheless, these heroic young people that are honored in, well, they were honored in both West and East Germany. Today they're honored in, well, all of Germany. It's one, of course, now. For their heroism, for their courage, for their love of truth, for their hatred of tyranny, they're still honored in Germany. And yet now, when Germany is once again falling into tyranny, when the government's going against the will of a great number of people, when they're trying to force people uh, to get vaccines, now they've let up a little that all over the world. Let's see if it comes back, but they're doing that for months. When the news is filled with lies, now you can go out and demonstrate and the secret police will not arrest you. You will not be guillotined. Now is the time to do that. And yet now the German people, now the German people, well, I don't want to appear at a, at a, at a demonstration because the police might write down my name and address and I wouldn't want that. Maybe I could have some disadvantages in the future. So instead, let's go home and watch yet another documentary about the, 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 the Scholl siblings and, and, and uh, rave about, oh, they're such heroic young people. I said that attitude is both hypocritical and totally cowardly, and I despise it. They're the words I use. That's what I mean by explode. I didn't mean him necessarily in particular. He's 75 years old. Maybe he thinks he's past the age of going out to demonstrate. But if I were 102, I would be out there demonstrating if I still lived in Germany, let me tell you. And even if the secret police came and put a bullet in my head, I would still do it. Oh, would I really? Well, yeah, if I were 102, I would. I think, hey, I have to die some. <laughs> That's pretty close to me now. Why not die as a hero? It's better than dying in a hospital, right? Just of old age. <laughs> uh, would I have done that at, at age 40? Well, I don't know. You never know exactly. But I know now in Germany, they're not going to guillotine you. They're not going to kill you. Yeah, they might put your name down so that when the state does become totally totalitarian, then they're going to get you. Then your name's there. But it's not that kind of situation yet. Now is the time to act. If there are demonstrations, now is the time to go. If we still have enough freedom of speech that maybe we can't put that video up on YouTube, we did, we put it up on Rumble and on many, on, on Brighty, on other platforms, now we can still do that. And now is the time to act. You get my drift here. You see how hypocritical that is. The society would, would honor these two young people for their bravery. And really, their situation was pretty hopeless from the beginning when it's gotten that far. But now people can act. And there's so many there in Germany and other places. Well, I don't want the police to question me, so I better not do that. What kind of despicable cowards are you? And note well, I'm not talking about the sheep now. Hey, all you sheep out there, yes, get away from me now, sheep. All you sheep out there, I'm not talking to you now. I've criticized you enough for being so blind. You don't see what's happening. You don't see how societies are moving towards the one world order, the new world order. There's going to be one world government, and it's going to not be democratic, believe me. If you can seriously look at Klaus Schwab, look at his face, look at his eyes, read his books, and you want to tell me he wants more freedom for everybody, you're a total fool. Yeah, they want one world government, the new world order, and it's going to be a dictatorship as well. 
And you sheep don't recognize that. So I forgive you here. <laughs> for, one, for one episode, I forgive you because you're too dumb to recognize what's going on. No, I'm talking about you who know what's going, who see what's going on, who have recognized the lies on TV, who know that it's, that's uh, outrageous for them to try to want to mandate vaccine shots for children. Practically no child dies of, of COVID. But 50, 50 times more children die of vaccines than die of COVID. Not that it's millions dying of vaccines. Well, see what the long-term effects are. But I heard recently, 50, I think it's 52 times more children die of vaccines than die of COVID. But they're still trying, to, in some places, we're still saying, well, yes, all children should get vaccines. Even babies should get vaccines. If that isn't obvious what's going on, you're a total idiot. But you sheep, I know you are dumb by nature. You don't recognize that. So I'm giving you a pass here. I'm not criticizing you. I'm criticizing those of you who recognize, at least in part, what's going on, how we're heading towards dictatorship. And I'm criticizing those of you who, despite that, aren't doing anything. You're not writing articles. You're not doing podcasts as I am, although, you know, I have such a small reach. But if I can just reach two or three people, it's at least something. You're not talking to your friends about a family. Oh, I don't want to get in an argument with them. In other words, you're despicable cowards. Boy, now everybody's going to hate me. Not only are sheep going to hate me, because I'm the wolf among them. Not that I want to eat them, but I want to, I want to, I want to convert them into independent creatures. And that's worse than ever trying to eat them from a sheep's perspective, from a human sheep's perspective. No, now I'm criticizing you who recognize, at least in large part, the things that I recognize. And still you're not doing anything. You're avoiding that extra conversation with your sisters because, oh, might have another argument. Or I don't want to talk to my friends because, oh, well, maybe, maybe they won't want to be friends of mine anymore. You despicable cowards. And that's the way I feel. You know, I mentioned this before in some episode. Before I did these podcasts, I thought, well, I waited a year. I thought, maybe... Can I control myself enough to just seem like I'm some sort of guru and just, just speak in a very relaxed tone and very objective? But something went against the grain whenever I thought that. I thought, no, I'm going to say the things the way I see them, the way I think them, the way I feel them. And if I call you despicable cowards, I'm going to back that up, as I always do, because I'm on the path of Socrates. You're a coward because you that recognize when the path to dictatorship I mean, some of you are doing things. You're talking to people. I realize that. If you're doing anything, I applaud you. But especially to those of you who, well, you, you try to avoid the subject. And I know people like that. They don't talk to their friends about it. They don't talk at work about it because you know, they might have reaper, you know, the people might reject them. and they want, they want to get along well with everybody. You despicable cowards, I say it again. Do you think Hitler just cropped up out of nowhere and all of a sudden he had total power in Germany? No, it was a gradual process. In the 1920s, when he was trying to stage his coup d'etat and such things, and he failed, he ended up in jail. And in other movements, they would have Nazi demonstrations, sometimes collaborating with communists, yes, with their enemies, because both of those sides wanted to destroy the, uh, the republic. During all of that phase, we're in something similar now. We're on the path towards dictatorship that is so obvious. If you know anything of history, and if you're just a bit observant, if you haven't noticed that, you're a fool. But I'm talking to those of you who have noticed that. And you're not having these conversations every day. Do you think it's a pleasure for me when I see somebody I haven't seen a while and to get in these conversations and then end up in a discussion that might be quite heated or where I have to end up 
basically insulting them, saying, look, you don't know what you're talking about for this, this, you know that I can argue very well, and I know what I'm talking about. And most people, especially the sheep, they do not. And so they end up not liking me. Do you think that's pleasant for me? I know people that but in the past I always got along pretty well with, and now they don't want anything to do with me. Do you think that's a pleasure for me? Believe me, it is not. It saddens me. On the other hand, I refuse to let all of these things happen and not try to at least wake up somebody. If for every 10 people that I lose as well, no, pleasant, pleasant acquaintances, if for every 10 of those I can enlighten one person, then so be it. I, I've lost friends, long year, certain long-year friends. I have lost them because of all of this. Do you think that's pleasant for me? That pains me. I feel that. I really do. But I refuse to let those friends keep on living as sheep, not recognizing what's going on, and simply me not talking, oh, well, I don't want to lose a friendship. I don't want to risk any friendship. That's how dictators get into power. Because not enough people stand up to them. Not enough people talk about what's going on. The people that recognize it. Because the dictator is going to power through lies. And the sheep so often believe those lies. And so they go along with it. Well, Hitler's not such a bad guy. After all, we were shafted by that damn Versailles Treaty after World War I. And the Germans were... Hitler was right there. Yeah, the Versailles Treaty was an unding, they would say in German. How would you say that? It was an outrage. It was not fair to, to Germany or to the German people. It was a formula for disaster. And Hitler was right. That's how Hitler got into power, by playing up that. Look how we were betrayed by the Versailles Treaty. And the sheep, instead of thinking, well, yes, on the one hand, Hitler's right, Versailles Treaty was terrible. That was an outrage. On the other hand, this guy means no good, and this guy's going to lead us into disaster. Uh, well, no, the sheep can't think. And they can't think, well, on the one hand, this, on the other hand, this. They just think, uh, bah, 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 yes, oh, Versailles Treaty, that was bad, so we're going to follow you, Hitler. We'll follow you into death. That's the way sheep act. And these days it's, yes, yes, Klaus Schwab, uh, well, I didn't read your books. I really don't know what you're saying, but, but as long as you're for vaccines, oh, so am I. Vaccines, of course, are good. Vaccines are safe and effective. Safe and effective. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Am I still saying they're safe and effective? I never did say that, of course, if you know me. But now the news has come out that in Pfizer's own documents that they wanted to keep secret for 75 years, but, but, uh, but they weren't allowed to. Some court ruled they had to give, the, give out those documents. Uh, now we see that these vaccines could have 1,291 possible negative side effects. Well, gee, I would say there's a big distance between safe and effective and 1,291 possible side effects, including death as one of them. Wow. So now the truth is coming out. And yet still, to this day, you still see people, what, these stupid anti-vaxxers, how could they speak against vaccines? What, these people don't read? They don't, well, we know they don't think. <laughs> but I guess they don't even look at the most recent news, the things that are coming out now. Of course, those things aren't put in mainstream media, but you can find them. The documents from Pfizer, look it up. So here we are in a situation where the world, quite obviously, we've had our freedoms taken away. We've reached a, a degree of censorship that, that only dictatorships know. In Russia, they're comparing it to the, the ex-Soviet Union because those people remember how bad things were in the Soviet Union. But now we're the modern Soviet Union with all the censorship and with all the lies. So it, what, what happened to real free journalism where the journalists seek the truth? Oh, there, there's some out there, James O'Keefe, 
lookhimupveritas.org. Oh, he brings out some really good stuff. And the other journalists, they're just going along with the crowd. They're doing what the bosses tell them to do. And it's just, well, fake news. When Trump first started using that term fake news, I thought, oh, that's kind of exaggeration. <laughs> well, that was an under-exaggeration, let me tell you. The things I've seen personally, the censorship I've been subject to on platforms like Facebook. <laughs> oh, wow. And this is going on. And, you know, censorship, that always goes hand in hand, not with liberal democracies. No, that's totally the opposite there, with dictatorship. They're leading us down the path to dictatorship. So if we finally reach that final station of dictatorship, maybe there'll be a few brave people that stand up to the tyrants and end up getting guillotined or otherwise done away with. But wouldn't it be better if more people acted now when they haven't pulled out the guillotines for, <laughs> for use? Wouldn't it be better when you can still go to a demonstration, sure, maybe some police write down your name and address, and you know you're in their files, but let's face it, you're probably in their files anyway, because in this age of, uh, people don't realize that enough, in, uh, with digital technology, anything you put in Facebook does not disappear. Oh, you can leave your Facebook account, but somebody has that. Did you know that there's a lot of evidence that Facebook was a gover an American government project first, but then because Congress was after, you can't collect all that data, then suddenly, okay, we're going to give it up. And shortly thereafter, uh, a certain Mark Zuckerberg says, I've started a new platform, it's called Facebook. It's a continuation of that, and I, it's, it's very, very probable that all the data in there, that's still going to certain factions of the government, let's just say deep state, or should I say in Eisenhowerian terms, the military-industrial complex, it's the same thing. Am I afraid of that? Well, it, uh, it's not very pleasant for me to know that everything I've put in Facebook is there. And uh, I've said this before in another episode, but in case you haven't heard that, you probably haven't. It used to be, for example, with the Gestapo, they had to actually do police investigations, find out, oh, there's some rumor, there's some flyers being spread around. Who could that be? Well, let's, let's ask the neighbors there. Let's see if anybody see anything. Let's try to find some whistleblowers that would tell us who these evil people are or these anti-Hitlerian people, these good people are. They're distributing these flyers. They had to do actual police work. And then when they got the information on these people, they'd have to, well, give it to a secretary. They would type it into a, a, a type, remember, typewriter? Remember those, you older folks? Uh, no computers back then, or at least none that normal people could use. Uh, and yeah, so there are actual people dealing with the data. These days, no. If you ask a Mark Zuckerberg what what I, David Bolton, put in Facebook, he'd say, uh, David Bolton, uh, well, I think there are probably about 100,000 of them in the world. Which one do you mean? He'd have no idea who I am. You understand what I mean? However, if certain people in government thought, hmm, maybe I do some kind of podcast that becomes popular, do something, say, oh, who is this person? All they have to do is push a few buttons, they see everything I've ever put in Facebook. Everything I've put in any platform, they see it. They say, ooh, this guy looks like he might not be an ardent Biden left-wing supporter. Oh, maybe, maybe he's even one of those Trump terrorists. Well, we better follow him. And it, at their fingertips, they have all the information. They never heard of me before, but at that moment, that's what the digital age has done. Do you remember when Obama was president? When the scandal came out, there was some center, I forget what it was, some state out in the desert someplace uh, in, the, in, the, in the center of America. 
some huge building where it turned out they had been recording billions of Americans' telephone calls. Supposedly, oh, because then we can hear if they're, we can use special programs to hear if the vocabulary they use means that they're a terrorist, like a Muslim terrorist. You know. Well, I think Congress insisted they close that down. Oh, they no doubt just reopened it someplace else, maybe underground someplace, right? And that was going on under Obama. It was almost certainly started under George W. Bush. Do you remember things like that? I don't forget things like that. They have been collecting data on people for years and years. So if they want to get you, they're going to get you unless you didn't say anything that might be displeasing to them. But I contend, especially when we see that dynamically we're moving towards this one world order that's not going to be a democracy, I guarantee you that. It's going to be a dictatorship. I've said this for decades. If we have the, the one world government, a lot of fools were for. I said it's going to be a dictatorship. But I heard people say, oh, no, it'll be great to see one country, one big world government, so there'll be no wars. I said, oh, my God, you fool. Ever hear of a civil war? No, there won't be one big war in the sense of country against country. It'll be hundreds of civil wars going on, if only because of the resistance of this one big world government, this big brother that watches over everything and that's ruling us in every respect in our lives. Wake up, people. But once again, this episode is mainly directed towards you who see what's going on, who see that we're losing our freedoms. And it's still you think, well, maybe in Facebook, for example. Oh, I know you can be censored. You can be kicked off of Facebook. You have to be clever to not, I, I haven't had that happen to me. You have to do it in a more clever manner. But you think, well, I don't want to lose my Facebook friends. Oh, really? So you'd rather risk us having in the end a total dictatorship? rather than you lose a few Facebook friends? You despicable coward. <laughs> Once again, I use that term. <laughs> really. This is the time for more and more people to speak up. This is the time for more and more people to write those articles, to go to, to these peaceful demonstrations. Though on that count, I'd like to say the following. There's a monk. His name is uh, Brother Bugnolo, B-U-G-N. O-L-O, -O, Italian name. He has an accent like an American. I think he's probably Italian-American. He lives in Rome, though. Either that or he's an Italian with a really good English accent, American accent, because he sounds like a native speaker, right? And he gave a talk. I think I've mentioned this before in another episode. And he said, well, all you people out there writing articles, doing podcasts, uh, doing videos, etc., about what's going on in the world, he said, maybe you think that through all this peaceful resistance, the totalitarians are going to say, oh, look, there's another peaceful demonstration. We better back off. We better back off. We better not. We better give up our evil ways because, look, oh, there are another 10 articles. Oh, my God. He said, are you, you know, he basically said, he didn't use these words, but he said, basically, you're, are you crazy? Do you think a Hitler would have backed off because of some peaceful demonstration? Well, he would have just killed everybody in it, right? He would just arrested them all and had them guillotined. We haven't reached that point yet. They can't allow themselves that yet because the resistance is too strong. You know that resistance uh, <laughs> composed largely of all these gun owners in America, the gun owners from whom a certain political party was working for years to take their guns away from. Why do you think they were doing that? Why do you think they wanted to take their guns away from them? Ooh, 
<laughs> Maybe because they knew what was being planned for the not-so-distant future, like 2020, 2021, 2022. And when that point comes, you don't want to face have to face maybe 10, 20 million people who are armed citizens who know how to use those guns. Oh, no, you don't want to do that now, do you? Put the pieces together, people. We have been led down this path for years. Hey, all these school shootings, I'm not going to say all oh, they're fake. Yeah, I think school shootings, yeah, a lot of dead people there in those schools. But I thought to myself, you know, when I was a kid, you didn't hear about school shootings all the time. And people had guns back then too, right? So what changed? Well, the standard answer is, well, it's copycats. You know, they see it on news or they want to do it too. Really? Could not be something else behind that? Something, ever hear the name Sirhan Sirhan? Rather redundant, maybe. <laughs> Sirhan Sirhan, he was a, a Palestinian supporter. I think he was Palestinian by birth. And he, he assassinated Bobby Kennedy Sr., in 1968 in June, I remember my mother waking me up. It was a school day. It was a seventh grade, I believe, and said, "Oh, they shot Bobby Kennedy." I said, "What?" Because only a couple of months before they had shot Martin Luther King. We thought, "Oh my God, this has become a habit, or what?" I mean, I remember, <laughs> I remember all those things: the assassination of John F. Kennedy, of Martin Luther King, of Bobby Kennedy. Right? Uh, hard times they were. Sirhan Sirhan's the guy who killed him, but there's so many funny things about that. Like, for example, they, the FBI found in his room papers. Ever see the movie The Shining with Jack Nicholson? That unforgettable scene where, where Nicholson says, hey, just leave me alone. They're in that big ski lodge there taking care of it. Well, if you haven't seen the movie, look into it. It's one of the best horror films of all time. I'm, you probably have seen it, though. And he's there typing, just leave me alone, honey. I just want to write my book. And he's acting strange anyway, this guy. And it's Jack Nicholson, you know. <laughs> Talk about perfect casting, I mean, really. So he's there typing and wife's thinking, well, he never seems to be ending this book. He's typed, it looks like so many hundreds of pages. He, and, and so when he's not there, one time he, she walks over and, and, and she looks at what he's written. Now, I saw this first in German. I think the second time I saw it in German. They had a different sentence there. Uh, I forget what the sentence was in English, but it was the same sentence he had been writing over and over again on every page. He had written hundreds of pages, the same sentence over and over and over again. At that point, she knew my husband's totally insane. <laughs> Do you remember that scene? <laughs> I'm going to put this in pause for a second. Look up that sentence. Just a second. Yes, here it is in English. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and thousands of times. You see some family member writing the same sentence thousands of times. Well, getting back to Sirhan Sirhan, because yes, there is a connection there. They found, I don't know how many papers saying, I forget the exact sentence, but something like Robert Kennedy must die, Robert Kennedy must die, Robert, or Bobby Kennedy, I forget exactly how he formed, must die. It might have been a little more elaborate, the sentence, but also again and again and again. So you could say, well, he was crazy, right? However, it is known, and people, people who know about these things, people who used to work for the CIA, etc., said this is a known technique. You find somebody who's a good hypnotic subject, you subject them to many sessions of hypnosis because with hypnosis, no matter what you tell a person, for example, you hypnotize them and say, uh, you're a dog, you're going to bark like a dog. When I wake you up, you're going to bark, bark like a dog. If they're a good subject, they will bark like a dog. They'll think they're a dog. 
but it's going to wear off. You'd have to hypnotize them again and again, maybe even using drugs to make them think for, say, over the course of a week that they're a dog, right? So there's one technique they use. You get a, somebody who's uh, a good hypnotic subject. I won't say a weak personality because you could be a good hypnotic subject and not be a, really a weak personality in every sense, right? You find somebody who's a good hypnotic subject. You hypnotize them a number of times and you give them homework. You say, you're going to write this sentence. For example, Bobby Kennedy must die. Bobby, you're going to write this a hundred times a day. This is reinforcement. In other words, even then, if you can't hypnotize them yet again on, on a, another day, on a day-by-day -day basis, you know they're in the room writing that sentence again and again, and that, that reinforces the hypnosis. In other words, they are practically re-hypnotizing themselves. So you prepare somebody like that, then you send them out to suit Bobby Kennedy Sr. in 1968, and you say, look at that, he shot him because... Uh, Kennedy was on the side of Israel, and this guy was Palestinian. He wanted to defend the rights of the Palestinians. So that's that. nothing more to see here, right? And in reality, you have trained your agent who was an, an unwitting agent. It's interesting that Sirhan Sirhan said in the trial a lot of times, I don't remember just what happened. Maybe I'm guilty, but I just don't remember what happened. Well, that's why. That's why. Just as a deep state killed JFK, and if you think it was one man, Lee Harvey Oswald, you're a liar or a fool. <laughs> I'll put it that plainly. I won't go into that yet. I'll get into that some episode. I haven't done that episode yet. But they couldn't have Bobby Kennedy, who had said to some people, if I'm elected, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to use all the powers of presidency to find out who killed my brother. Well, the deep state couldn't have that now, could they? Oh, no. Bobby Kennedy had to die also. And they use Sirhan Sirhan for that. And so you repeat the sentence again and again and again. By the way, if you think, oh, that must be terrible to end up being an unwitting murderer, to be, be brainwashed like that. My friends, they have used that technique on us as well. Oh, don't think I'm crazy. And I don't mean it's been that extreme. <laughs> I haven't gone out and killed anybody recently. What I do mean is this, and I've mentioned this in a previous episode as well. There are two ways of hypnotizing a person hypnotizing people in general. You can do the you know, watch swinging back and forth or any, any other one of a, a hundred techniques. In other words, an individual basis. Or you simply repeat the same thing again and again and again and again and again. Uh, when I do my episodes on mass movements and the like, I'll get into that more deeply. Think about it. Think about it. This can be used in a good sense. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, and with liberty and justice for all. I think that's how it goes. I haven't said it in, probably since I was a kid. But we had to say it so many times every day. I mentioned this in another episode, too. I'm repeating myself, but I'm old. You know, be patient with me here. And I'm sure you all haven't listened to all the episodes uh, of mine. I would hope you have better things to do. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to me so much, but anyway, and I mean that half seriously. Every day in Catholic school, we stood up, folded our hands, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, etc., etc., etc. And then we turned 45 degrees to the right, put our hands on our hearts, I pledge allegiance to the flag, you know, the flag was hanging there, the United States of America, etc., etc. Why do they do that? Because they want to form good little Catholics and good little patriots. And in that sense, especially the patriotic part, every country needs people who love their country, obviously. And I don't see that as really bad. Of course, then, then Stuner was saying, no, but 
one nation under God. We shouldn't put that under God there because we're atheists and we don't believe in God. Oh, okay, uh, and get into dispute on that. Uh, I can understand that view. But that's a, a question of creating good citizens by repetition. It's the same thing that parents do, and that's good. You shouldn't steal. You shouldn't do that. You should try to be, it would be better if they gave maybe positive things. You should, you should always be an honest person. Be an honest, be honest, be honest. But instead they, they say, don't steal, don't steal. There's, there is a difference, and maybe not surprisingly, most parents don't really get it. It's amazing so many people turn out as well as they do, considering how how hopelessly lost so many parents are. I'm not a parent, so I have no right to talk. My, my brother is a parent, my sister is a parent. Uh, they know how hard that, that all is. But uh, maybe because I'm, I can have the 30,000 feet from above view, right? Because I'm not a parent. Maybe I, some things I'll never understand about being a parent, but other things I see even more clearly, right? And about that, imagine being a little kid again, and you're proud of your dad. What would you rather say? My dad is an honest and honorable man. Or my dad doesn't steal. <laughs> you catch the difference there. To say my dad was an honest and honorable man. That sounds noble. That sounds really good. To say my dad doesn't steal, it means, okay, well, at least he's not a low life. At least he doesn't steal. <laughs> you know what I mean? And your parents always, don't do this. Don't steal. Don't. It's always the negative. Don't. Don't is a negative word. Don't steal. That's negative too, stealing. Don't lie. Of course kids are going to lie to their parents, no? If parents are saying, oh, tell us the truth, tell us the truth. No. It's too bad there's not uh, it, that, that phenomenon of taking the fifths. It's a shame kids can't say that. I take the fifth. I'm not going to say anything. It might incriminate me. But then parents say, aha, so you did do it, right? In court, they're not allowed to do that. But parents, you know, they, they, they do that. That should be another good talk. Scenes from childhood, going back to, you know, because I empathize with children. I remember as a child, you know, like when you and your brother and sister might act up and do some bad, and your, and your father says, okay, I'm going to punish both of you. You say, wait a minute, Dad, she started it. I was just reacting. I, shut up. <laughs> My father never told us to shut up, but he could be angry. And he just punished both of us then. I thought, this is so unjust, isn't it now? But maybe because of those little uh, injustices, I've developed a very keen sense of justice. So thank you, Dad. <laughs> My father died many years ago, of course. But you see what I'm, I'm getting at here, I believe. And to get back to the, the Shol brother and sister, maybe you want more details in their lives, you can look that up for yourself. Uh, please do. Uh, their lives were very short, of course. But you think about this. If you're one of those who thinks, well, in Facebook, I don't want to lose my Facebook friends. If you think, I'm not going to go to that demonstration. I do agree with them, but, oh, I don't well, Maybe the police would take down my name and address. Be aware that there are forces out there that are leading us towards totalitarianism. And if we don't act on time, someday it'll be too late. And at that point, we think, well, now I have to act. Then you're going to end up being guillotined or otherwise executed as well. Because that's what happens in dictatorships. So please, even if it's unpleasant, have those unpleasant conversations. Even if it means you lose some friends, don't start yelling or shouting at your friends. 
and don't start saying at the beginning you're a total idiot or something like that. You can say that at the end when, when it's clear, but be able to prove that they are. <laughs> well, so always have, have proof, right? For example, if they say, we shouldn't listen to these other doctors about vaccines like Robert Malone, who cares if he was one of the inventors of mRNA, we shouldn't listen to him and say, you're a total idiot. Because <laughs> for somebody to not want to listen to one of the great experts of mRNA technology about the effects of mRNA technology as it's used today, if you, if you think that's not important to listen to, you're a total idiot, period. But maybe your friends aren't that lost. They're going to say, well, okay, what... What the, you notice how these people on the other side, I'll call them the other side now, you notice how they never say, well, tell me, what are they saying on the other side? I don't think a single one has asked me that. Doesn't that alone seem strange to you? You know, some are speaking in favor, of, oh, you have to get vaccinated, we have to force vaccinate everybody, and others saying something different. I would say to them, okay, what are your arguments? And let them consider their arguments and say, okay, now let me give you my arguments. But they never ask, that, what does that mean? Well, let's draw a parallel here. Fanatics also never ask. A religious fanatic that's trying to convert you to something is not going to say, oh, but what are your, but tell me, seriously, what are your deeper views on religion? They never ask. They tell you what you should believe. Ah, that's a sign of fanaticism. Also a good topic for another talk. Yes, I'm doing honor here to Sophie, Sophie and Han Sol. I wonder when their birthdays were. I wonder if by a strange coincidence. No, Sophia was born on the 9th of May. We can celebrate her birthday on that day. And Hans was born on the 22nd of September. And I'm speaking to you now on the, what, uh, what day is it today? Are we already at the Ides of March or is it just the 14th today? The Ides of March being the 15th. Yes, we're in the, here in Japan. Yes, yes, it's March 15th, the Ides of March. If you were Julius Caesar, you would tremble at hearing that term. <laughs> so even though it's not their birthdays, I'm doing honor to the, the siblings Sol. Right? And uh, I'm remembering what they did very courageously because they thought it simply had to be done knowing they're risking their lives. You, by going to demonstration, are really not directly risking your life. You, by talking up in Facebook, are not risking your life. And if you lose 10 of your sheep-like friends, so be it. But if you can, maybe one of those sheep is half woken up, or maybe one of those sheep has a somewhat open mind and will say, well, could you please explain what are you talking about? And maybe you can wake up one person. It's worth doing it for that. So do not be a despicable coward. And above all, don't be a hypocrite. Don't not say anything, not do anything. Just let things take their course. Well, I don't want to have any part of this. And then go watch maybe, I don't know, Band of Brothers and think, oh, weren't they courageous there? Yeah, they were courageous, storming the beaches at Normandy, Omaha Beach. And the, oh, my God. Well, of course, once you're military, you didn't have much of a choice. That's true. But nonetheless, they knew they were fighting for freedom. And they, they risk everything and gave everything. And you don't even want to go out to a demonstration or you don't want to say the wrong thing in Facebook because you might lose some Facebook friends. If you think like that, and as I said, I'm not talking to you sheep out there. I'm talking to those who, who have an idea what's going on. If you know what's going on, or at least have an idea, and you're not speaking up, you are a despicable coward. And if in the end we're in a dictatorship, it's because of people like you that were there, not just the sheep. And you're even worse because you recognize what's going on. In other words, speak up, people. Take a risk. I'm not asking you to storm Omaha Beach. 
and get blown apart into a thousand pieces by German artillery. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you just to speak up the things you know or think you know, because we could always be wrong about some details. Hey, maybe none of this is happening, and maybe I'm just some weird guy in a mental hospital, and maybe COVID doesn't exist. Maybe that's all in my mind. <laughs> oh, I wish, you know, I wish it were like that. I even thought humorously a few months ago, boy, I wish I woke up in a mental hospital. I've never been in a mental hospital except to visit people <laughs> on a couple of occasions. Uh, but... <laughs> As I always say, I am boringly sane in that respect. And I, I'm thankful for that on the one hand. But sometimes in this past year I've thought, wouldn't it be nice if I woke up in a mental hospital and they said, hey, you were spouting off weird things like there's some disease called COVID-19 and, and there's a plan to kill people in the world. And boy, you're really crazy. I'd say, oh, wow, I'm glad you gave me these meds because now I recognize that's all crazy. Boy, I would like that to happen. Of course, I'd feel miserable. But at least I'd know that the whole world isn't miserable and going down the drain, the economy is about to implode. Oh, my God, the things that could be waiting for us just around the corner. At least I'd, I'd, feel, I'd actually feel better in that sense. But no, unfortunately, it seems like I'm not crazy and all of this of COVID-19 is real. It, it does exist. Did I say is real? I don't want to pull Israel into it. You might call me an anti-Semite. <laughs> but... Uh, and I'm not one of those, hey let's, hey, let's blame the Jews yet again. Believe me, I'm not one of those people. Uh, I think I'm even 116th Jewish. One of my grandfathers told me one of his grandmothers was Jewish. So that would give me the right to criticize Israel. You can't call me an anti-Semite. But 116th, well, okay. Uh, all I can say about that is if I living in Nazi Germany, they wouldn't have killed me for being 116th Jewish. But they wouldn't have let me join the SS either. And you know what? I don't think I would have wanted to join that organization anyway. So just as well. Okay, people, I think you've gotten the message now. Uh, I expressed it in rather harsh terms at times, but sometimes you have to try to fully wake up the people that are mostly awake. So the next time there's some kind of demonstration, please, if it's coming to a theater near you, please go to it. If you're interacting on Facebook or just in friends and conversation, go to a party. Uh, I lament to say, uh, if well, nobody invites me to parties here in Japan anyway, but if I'm in America, if I ever go back to visit or to Europe, uh, a warning, even people that know me or want to get to know me, warnings invite me to a party because if things are still in this state, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it. And that's not going to be very pleasant, but I'm, I don't plan to travel until all of this is more or less over, until some, some things have changed in a major way. Uh, but uh, I don't think I could get into it. 15-minute conversation with somebody without bringing up these subjects because it's so important. We're talking about we're talking about the potential downfall of Western civilization, which has already begun, and we're talking about uh, the world heading towards dictatorship. Everybody should be talking about this constantly. And yes, listen to the other side. If they have good arguments to support the one world order, well, listen to those arguments. And then destroy those arguments because they can be easily destroyed. If you don't know how to destroy their arguments, listen to my podcast episodes and you'll know exactly what to say. So hoping that I woke you up a little bit more and hoping that you're not one of those despicable cowards that just doesn't want to talk about these things to anybody because he doesn't want to lose his little Facebook friends, half of which he probably have never even met in his life. If you're riding that wave, please get off it fast and get onto the shores of reality. See what is happening. And I'm not asking you to, to, to do impossible things, but talk about it. 
if you see a good video that illuminates certain things, like the 1,291 side effects of the Pfizer vaccine, talk about it. Look up those documents. Read those documents. And then talk about it. Point it out to people. You could be saving life, you know. And if you lose a few friends because of it, so be it. Maybe they shouldn't have been your friends in the first place, or maybe it's time to look for some new friends. Having going on yet another rant, <laughs> and I think a well-justified one, I wish you a fine day, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart once again for accompanying me on this, the path of Socrates. Have a good day. Bye now. <laughs>